Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Okay, you want to get into this? The much-talked-about Westworld discussion? So you don't know his name, but Hansi just killed it that episode. He was the uh, he <laughs> he was a badass in Fargo season two. Um, and, oh, and this season he was the narrator essentially. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna go to the thing that I like the most. What what was he in Alpha series two? Yes, that was Alpha his two. Alpha What's two. What's his build? Alpha 2. You mean he hasn't been updated in 10 years? <laughs> I mean, that was that was just like perfect nerd jargon placement. Oh, yeah. But Dolores picks up a badass new nickname. Deathbringer. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> that's yeah. like, that's a Game of Thrones sword right there. That That is, that is definitely a Game of Thrones <laughs> th- sword. Um, a really good change of pace and a little bit more... Um, it was a good way to kind of explain what was happening. Yeah, it was an episode where you finally cared what happened to any character this season. <laughs> it's about time. You weren't just like just weren't just purely watching for the theories. I did want that little girl to just like stop him at some point and like three quarters of the way through his speech to be like Hansi. I don't understand what you're saying. Can you do that all over again in English? (laughs) Let's just, I think we just have to talk about it. The immaculate inning thrown by Max Scherzer, Mr. Two-Tone Eyes. How many of those has he thrown? Second. That was his second. Okay. It is pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then you hear that, like, who was it? Gosman or someone? like that from the Orioles through one this year. And then you're like, okay, mm, okay, yeah, well it can't happen that for cool. anyone. I mean, you'd think over what I think, I think pitchers throw, I mean, thousands of pitches in a, in a season. So the odds that you could string together yeah. nine is pretty good. Yeah. Well, nine that no one, yeah, that no yeah. one hits. That's insane. That That's, that's really impressive. We talk every once in a while about impressive things. I think it is impressive, but I think it it can't be more than a seven seven sigma outlier. <laughs> you know, so over the course over the course of this, it's uh, like yeah, thank you. Put it into stats. It's like for every immaculate inning, uh, you know, somebody like Scott Feldman goes out there and gives up ten runs without recording it out. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's probably further. I don't know. Yeah. And it's an ace it's gotta be an asymmetric distribution, oh, right? Oh for sure. <laughs> the tail on bad outcomes is pretty, <laughs> pretty long. Well it goes to infinity, right? <laughs> it must. 
Yeah. Oof. Wow. Imagine if you like actually brought up like a high schooler and put him on the mound. There is no mercy rule in the majors. Well, we heard the news about the Lord of the Rings prequel mm-hmm. series by Amazon. So now we're getting the news that Game of Thrones, one of these is actually starting to hit the production wheel. Age of Legends spinoff. I I honestly don't want to talk about this because I I'm so mad because George R. R. Martin wrote the like co-wrote the pilot to this. Stop yeah. doing that, dude. Stop. Write the books. No, he's got he's got plenty of time. Don't he worry does not about have it. Plenty of time. Freaking out. Got got three more books to write. Two more. Two. Two more. Two more books. They broke it into three seasons, but two more books. All right. This week on the pod, it is time for us to talk about keepers. We recognize that this doesn't apply to some, so we're going to talk about keepers in general, and then in the second half. We're going to revisit some of our top rankings and think about some of the early contenders to be keepers for next year. So here we go. After we started our league, you know, our home league, I, mm-hmm. which is a keeper league where each team, each of the 12 teams keeps five guys from year to year, I thought that was the most normal way to do it. But it's really not. No, because I think the... The stone of fantasy is the redraft league. And then okay. so and it's sort of like it's sort of like fantasy and everything goes forward <laughs> and all of a sudden you've got dynasty leagues that are, you know, twenty team dynasty leagues, uh twenty player um you know, rosters, etc. that are at Infinitum and you're talking about the newest players on the block. Like the kind of leagues where Soto was owned before the season yeah, started. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so I was I was doing some research for this and I dug up a Fangraphs article from 2009, you know, traditional shout out to Fangraphs. Uh and they they outlined these two these two perfect keeper rules. And I think that this is a good jumping off point for the motivation of why people do keeper leagues. They propose these two rules. Uh, a perfect keeper rule is, number one, is that it allows managers to get an advantage if they select players who outperform the consensus expectations. That is to say, they reward managers that see talent coming down the pipeline. And mm-hmm. they also ensure that that advantage is is small enough that it isn't a deterrent to keep other managers from interested in competing for the future. Like nine years of being uncompetitive okay all right a little harsh <laughs> i think the um it was a learning process all right <laughs> we got here didn't we yeah, it just I, takes a I was worse yep. than the 76ers about this process uh and i yeah, don't have process. keepers right now anyway so this actually is is and no brian colangelo yeah <laughs> create inter- yeah, who's who's running my strife twitter among feed. Team. uh <laughs> Oh, is that not you? <laughs> so, but I think the second one is actually really interesting because it's really also the motivation for why you do a keeper league. Because we, everyone's been in a fantasy football league that's over after week five for half the, for three quarters of the teams, half the teams. Yeah, and it's and it's no yeah. fun at all. 
And there's nothing to think about mm-hmm. at that point. There's nothing to think about because it's just like, well, my year is done. Um, I can play spoiler against the guys that I don't like in this league, but you know, half of those, half of the people are just like, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> right. You know, and yes, this does help to, um, this helps to keep things interesting for the next year. Yeah. Perfectly yeah. said. So our format's pretty basic where we've got we've got five players from year to year. We also have a rights team that's that's sort of like keepers and we'll we'll talk about um you know evaluating minor leaguers or young players in a future pod. But one of the most common formats is that um in in draft leagues you'll allow teams to to basically trade future draft picks for to keep players that they have now. So say I had drafted Andrew Benintendi in the third round this year or something, they would let me keep him next year and I wouldn't get a third round pick. I think that that sort of gets at the, uh, the idea of the, the, the number one keeper rule a little bit more where then you're, you're really encouraged to guess who's going to outperform the consensus expectations. Right. And then it, it, it increases the mental math that needs to be done is is Adam Jones a better pick in the 25th round of a draft <laughs> than I don't know um George Springer Ooh, in the second round right so and that gets you yeah. know the the mental math there ends up starts getting a little bit a little bit confusing jeez i could probably get <laughs> George Springer again in the second round, but there's no way in heck that I'm getting Adam Jones in the 25th round. Yeah, that's right. I think I think one of the things that I like about our format is that it doesn't is that it's there's a little bit less calculus that goes into it. One of the downsides is that uh, the keeper structure can end up being totally asymmetric between teams. Very lopsided, yes, indeed. Uh, another way around that is if you're in an auction league that you that there's you get the same players at the value that you bid on them for this year with some prorated amount for how well they performed. I don't I don't like this quite as much. Yeah, and I've I've done that in fantasy football, and mm. um, it ends up being pretty tough. It it's pretty tough to keep players ad infinitum. <laughs> And really, with the way that football kind of works, um, you know, you get a really good pick on a running back, and it's just not going to matter in yeah. two or three years. Yeah, no, that's because <laughs> you're going to be out the entire. That's really season. true, and and that's not true for fantasy, where or for for baseball, where uh, what I've I've had Joey Votto has been a keeper for ten for all ten years. <laughs> basically that that our league yeah. has existed um you know some guys some guys never easily never leave a team for 10 years yeah and they they stay consistent they are consistently contributing i mean i'm looking right now at the espn player raider and the top 12 and you know there's some new names like andrew benintendi mm-hmm. and um luis severino but geez i think that Corey Kluber has been around a couple of years. Justin Verlander, this is like his second um, 
a status. Yeah, he's really reached a second tier, hasn't he? Uh, you want to you talk about Eddie Rosario? I mean, he's, he's beautiful on there. On there. <laughs> Eddie Rosario and Eduardo Escobar. I All right, we'll get to, we'll get to our special. We'll get to the specific guys in the second half. Uh, the, another thing, um, we, we touched briefly on Dynasty Leagues, but that's one where your team just doesn't roll over from year to year. So the team that you have is who you get. The the trades tend to be a little bit more more active, or you you have to be a little bit more active in that. Um, and you're you're really trying to hunt for the the new guys that are up and coming. Um, that one I think sort of tends to violate, in my mind at least, it sort of violates the the second perfect keeper rule, where the advantage can can stack up year on year on year and get so huge for some teams. Yeah, it can be like the warriors when guys have just amassed (laughs) amassed a bunch of players and everybody else is like just doing the process 76er styles and just trying to figure out when the next chance is going to be so this here's uh before we get into the specific players last little bit of framing here um what sort of metrics should we try and use to evaluate keepers the metrics a little bit different than just you know, who is the quote-unquote best player. Um, CBS proposed these four things that I'm sort of shamelessly ripping off here. Um, there's skill, obviously, is still number one. Uh, and keepers, age is a key consideration as well. So players' value rolls off as they age because you won't be able to keep them for 10... Like Joey Votto, I won't be able to keep for 10 more years. But somebody like Mike Trout, <laughs> you know, he's got another good 10 years in the tank, probably. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's yeah. the cost. So what it what it takes to get them um, in our format. This this is more of a, a trade idea. How much it would cost you to what you would have to give up, and really to get a keeper, you're talking about totally giving up on contention in a given year. <laughs> if you wanted to trade mm-hmm. for a keeper, and then the last one is trustworthiness, which is. Really key to talk about at this part of the season where we're going to evaluate guys based on, you know, the first two months of their season. But this is really, in some leagues, it, with, with trade deadlines and keepers, where you have to be making those decisions. And you have to decide, do I really trust that Eddie Rosario and Eduardo Escobar are going to produce, like, keepers next year? Right, or Patrick Corbin. Yeah, or Patrick Corbin, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. It's... Right. What is the standard deviation mm-hmm. of the player within the season, but also across seasons? Because right. we've seen players have really good seasons and then never do anything again. Yeah. Yep. And so those are the four metrics that we're going to use to try and evaluate the players um, when we get into the second half here. Sometimes we, like the Westworld robots, prove to be a little bit self-aware about our own projects. Here's an outtake. So, do you consider all of our products to be Alpha 2 right now? We're kind of, we're getting close, yeah. Okay. Like, we're getting close to Beta, or we're, we're almost done with Alpha 1? We're almost done with Alpha 1. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I accept that. Well, let's talk about some players, shall we? Cool, let's do it. I have a couple of prompt questions <laughs> in here. Go for it. I uh, I want to know, where do the surefire keepers end? 
So this is a great question because I was floating around a trade and I said basically to the other person, Jose Ramirez, <laughs> who I like. But the trade value, I know that he's valuable and he's a top 10 player right now. The trade value that was the other player was suggesting was, in my opinion, top three player in a keeper league, Jose Altuve. Whoa! <laughs> and, Are you serious? And that's what's really hard. And then I, I was just thinking about it. And I'm like, I'm not moving Jose Altuve unless there's a trade, unless the trade involves Mr. Mike yeah. Trout, Mr. Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado, Goldie, and maybe Machado. So do you let's let's talk about that through the the metric evaluation is that trustworthiness to you because he's got the age he seems that he had he clearly has the skill Jose or Jose Altuve Ramirez. or Ramirez He's got Ramirez. the age he's got the skill but does he have the trustworthiness whereas Altuve is like a little bit less age tons of skill totally trustworthy Exactly he's done it He's done it, and he's done it, and he's done it. And I like Jose Ramirez, but even last year, we wouldn't have predicted this, no. what we have so far this year. Do you think that... Like, I think in our way too early ranks, I had Jose Ramirez in the top 12, and I thought that was ridiculous at the same time that I was saying it. He reminds me a little bit of Carlos Gomez in the, like, he's doing it, he's putting it all together, and it's like... At some point, this is just going to all fall apart. Yeah, I think, you know, we, if you remember during our conversation about the way too early ranks, we decided that sort of splitting the difference on ours was probably the right way to go. <laughs> and mm, absolutely. if you split the difference on Jose Ramirez, I have him at four, I had him at 43. He ends up like 30. That's pretty good. He ends up like high 20s. Yeah, that's yeah. about right. Okay. That's where I, that's sort of where I, no, so a... that sort of bookends where he could have been distributed this season. He's sneaking his way up to 12. He could easily drop way back down, but probably total season. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that... And then Jose Altuve's, uh, he was number two and number five. Yeah. So, so uh, you so know, we're between three there. or four. Do you think that Jose Altuve, of all the players that you ranked, gets the, of the players that you just listed in the Jose Ramirez list, do you think he gets the least respect? In a way, I, I think that nobody trades for him. I think he's because he's so elite at average. Uh-huh. And that's where like a lot of his value ends up actually coming from is his super high average. Would you say he's the most like pickoffable of those guys? Oh, you mean if someone put together a Godfather offer? Yeah. You see, I I think it's I think it's a perception. Right now Goldie Oh, right now Goldie is is probably the most pickoffable. Yeah, and we had we had like no split on Goldschmidt. <laughs> well, same. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, our consensus stuff was pretty funny. Um, and you know, I don't think anyone's ever going to trade Mike Trout, right? No, no one's going to trade Mike yeah. Trout. And so the only question is, is the Nolan Arenado or is the Mookie owner going to catch in? <laughs> Only, only no. if they look like they're going to miss the playoffs right now, and they can get back like 
Scherzer and Sale or something. <laughs> yeah, something. That's the only way that you would like do that. that. Um, all right. Speaking of Scherzer and Sale, I have a strategy question. Do you are you willing to keep pitchers? I think pitchers really toe the line on the trustworthiness piece. Yeah, that's where it gets really difficult, right? There haven't been a lot of pitchers that can string together two elite, elite years in that's a row right. in over the last 10 years. Yeah. If you had kept Justin Verlander the entire time, <laughs> maybe. The, uh, the, all of the last 10 all years. All of the last yeah. 10 years at sort of the, the right price, that would, that would be it. Um, but... You would hit on more years than you would miss? Uh, I think, assuming this year continues at sort of the level that he's at, I think you're right. But you have to deal with the fact that Clayton Kershaw is no longer elite elite. He's just elite, question mark? <laughs> he's just elite when he's on the field. Right, yeah. exactly. He, and he's, yeah, when he's on the field, he's not even elite elite anymore. He's just... So even even something like that. So I personally I shy away from pitchers, which has bitten me pretty badly in the past. Um, the times that I the times that I have kept one, I kept Zach Greinke this year. He really is a player that can't string two years together. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it's it's really hard because you need it to be like it needs to be like one of those top five guys, and even then it's those top five guys, one out of the five falls off or falls off the dirt bike. <laughs> falls off the dirt bike is right. Yeah. I mean, you look at our way too early 2018 ranks and we're clearly slanted towards hitters, like really slanted towards hitters on this. Yeah. So I had Clayton. We both had Clayton Kershaw. Oh, you had Corey Kluber at number nine. That was pretty, pretty solid. I had him at number 15. Yeah, I mean, it was just the guys that we, that the industry, the big four that the industry is um, willing to gamble on. And I think that's already turned over for next year because I think people are going to be out in Kershaw finally. Yeah, I think Kershaw could go back in the pool. Um, I think people are going to have to really, now is a good time to start thinking about how you would evaluate Clayton Kershaw for next year or the rest of the season. Like watch Clayton Kershaw with an eye to maybe I actually want to draft him next year because he might yeah. be back in there. That's always an interesting thing for me too, is, is when, when players get thrown back, <clears throat> Edwin Encarnacion, big mistake <laughs> one, uh, you know, when do you still pick them up? Yeah, I think you do. Yeah. Obviously you think so. Really? It's all about just keeping the, I mean, what you, mentioned before trustworthiness at the right cost the right age and the right skill i think that positional scarcity is something you need to think about but it's not something you should um overthink at all and i think we're both pretty much in agreement that the 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 player raider or any sort of evaluations that you get on guys so far is is not trustworthy yet even two months into the season two and a half months into the season it's really hard right now to to forecast what people are going to do next year at this point. So I can't quite put the uh, keeper tag on Max Muncy <laughs> just yet. 
Yeah. Um, is there anybody, we just talked about Clayton Kershaw. Is there anyone that you want to take the keeper tag off? Like looking at our way too early 2018 rankings. Let me give you, let me throw, you know, just to, to put a couple more names in this and put some numbers on this. These are guys that have currently have negative value on the player Raider, but started the season with greater than 90% ownership, which ostensibly, which okay, they like could it. be keepers. Um, Miguel Sano, Adrian Beltre, Domingo Santana, Robbie Ray, Jonathan Scope, Hugh Darvish, Jay Bruce, Corey Seager, Adam Eaton, Elvis Andrews, Justin Turner, Will Myers, Rich Hill, Byron Buxton. Don't pay attention to the fact that two of those guys are on my team. I would keep Corey Seager, and I think that's about it. I think from that entire list, yeah. But those are all guys that uh, Robbie Ray, Hugh Darvish, warranted pitcher consideration, and we would say that Based on all of our discussions, don't keep them. <laughs> never, you should don't. never have kept them. Uh, what about Adam Eaton, though? I mean, no, absolutely not. Really, he's he also can't stay healthy, and he's not. Before before last year, he didn't have a lot of health risks, but you know he blew his knee out like crazy and can't seem to stay on it anymore. And can't and can't get it back back to right so i i'm still seeing it and i'm seeing it now as a two-year injury which is i agree with that which puts him into um aj pollock so what does he have to do let me pose this question a slightly different way what do any of these guys have to do the rest of the year for them to vault back in mainly talking about andrews byron buxton will myers you darvish i guess i mean will myers has to come back and just play the same way he did last year and i think that if we see a little bit of him playing at first base, third base, I don't know, DH, whatever, whatever he can possibly do, I think I'd feel a little bit better about him. Byron Buxton. Jeez, I, I just don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe it's going to happen. I, Are you about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am. Uh, <laughs> I texted you about this. The decision 2.0 for LeBron coming up. Coming up to Minnesota? The Timberwolves think they've got a good shot. Well, I, the Timberwolves don't think they have a good shot. But the uh, the Minnesota media thinks they have a good shot. <laughs> it's just so adorable. I want you to know that the Boston media thinks that they have the best shot. <laughs> He's not coming to Boston. But they're they're just they're really convinced out here. They're just like LeBron is coming to Boston. No way. We're only gonna we're only gonna have to give up either Kyrie or Gordon Hayward and uh, and that'll be it. <laughs> yeah, how about no? <laughs> this is probably not gonna happen. And at this point, I would prefer not to see him in green. Interesting. That's a hot take. That's a this hot take. Whiteboard punching fool. You don't want to see. You don't want to see what uh, Coach Brad Stevens does with a player that can actually play, like somebody that comes in and knows basketball. My problem is that he's going to sign a two-year contract with a player option for the second year, and that just hasn't really helped Cleveland. That team is horrendous because of that contract. It's a da- and it's a dangerous contract for Boston to sign, and they don't. They have not shown any proclivity to do bad contracts. All right, you ready for this review session? 
Yes, I am. And I, I'm going to just lead by saying, for Fahrenheit 451, I was shocked at how little of the story I remembered. Absolutely. It was mostly a book about emotions, though, when you're reading it. Which is true. In the, the movie portrayal that HBO just sunk a ton of money and promotional capital into almost lived up to it, but it felt more like they still wanted the more the HBO spectacle than the actual feelings to me. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it was uh, it was an A-plus made-for-TV movie. <laughs> and it was, in, in terms of real movie, it was not an A-plus. They got... It's, it's really interesting, the people that they got. I mean... <sighs> What what is your opinion of Michael B. Jordan in general as an actor? He's above average. Why did he do this? <laughs> because he was listed as an executive producer. Does he so does he just love the book? I mean he might I think he might like the book. I think that he might have been they might have said like, Hey, do you want to do this movie? He was like, No. They were like Hey, do you want to have some experience being an executive producer? And he's like, "Well, you know what? This seems like a great place to have to pad my resume with kid gloves on." That's a good point. Do you? I, I found myself thinking while I was watching this: Is this the last time that you can make Fahrenheit four fifty one? Like, are we at the are we at the point where? the technology has moved so far past this that it doesn't make sense to do it anymore? No, because the book is vague enough that you can interpret it how how you want to. And it was fun seeing how they were interpreting it with this movie. I mean, they should have just said Alexa. <laughs> I know. That's what... That's, I completely agree. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, they got really close. You see. Alexa, go dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, and I, this is a book that was on the, in the back of my mind, but just the general themes of it, and they played into all of that, and it just really felt like they could have, they really could have picked at it more, but they then tried mm -hmm. to make a Hollywoody movie. All right, so take me, take me to a, a timeless movie. Tell me something that we're going to watch next week that's qualifies timeless for you. You know what? Let's do Willy Wonka. Ooh, which one? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, not Charlie and the Chocolate oh, Factory. Oh, 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 oh. Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka. That is an interesting suggestion. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.